Welcome to episode 65 of the PharmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, Senior Editor of PharmExec Magazine and your podcast host. PharmExec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with George Baxter, CEO of Edinburgh Innovations. George talks about how his organization is providing support to the innovative minds at Scotland's Edinburgh University in order to turn novel ideas into successful companies. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back with George. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At TrueSterum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Hello, podcasters. I'll be interviewing George Baxter, CEO of Edinburgh Innovations. Edinburgh Innovations manages all commercialization and industry engagement, for the University of Edinburgh, including the formation of startups and spin-out companies by students and staff. George is here to discuss this commercialization model and how his group is bringing innovation to market in Scotland. Thanks for joining us today, George. Thank you, Elaine. Uh, I'm very happy to be discussing this topic with you today. So I know you deal with many different kinds of innovation, but what services do you provide in the life sciences sector? And what is your process for working with industry and staff and students? Yes, we provide a full range of services to the staff of the University of Edinburgh and the students. So, for example, for staff, everything from intellectual property management. So if a staff member has an invention or a disclosure, to use the technical term in this country, which we think could be worthy of patent protection, we will work with that academic member of staff. We will look at that disclosure, compare it to what's out there in the market, see if it's actually worthy of patent protection, and then, if appropriate, put in the correct level of patent protection, and then take that forward over the next few years and try and commercialise that uh, activity as well. We also are responsible for business engagement for the whole university. So, for example, if a company wants to come and work with one of our academics or has a particular issue, we set up lots of meetings between academics and business groups, either you know, clusters of businesses or individual businesses. And we try and make those connections from both sides, either because an academic's got some really good ideas that they want to get out into the market, or if a business has a particular problem that wants solved, we can put them together with large groups of academics and facilitate that meeting to help them ultimately come to a sort of contractual relationship to work. On the startup and spin-out side, we do that for both staff and students. So we do roughly eight to 10 spin-outs from the university every year from the staff, where the university has some equity taking that spin-out. We do about 100 student startups a year where we don't actually have an equity stake. And we do the classic things there, putting them together with venture capital, with new management, looking at senior staff that we have to pull in for them. And for that, we have a very large database of senior managers, C-suite executives, CFOs, CTOs, CEOs, that we can put them in touch with. 
And finally, if any external organisation from the private or public sector has a very specific issue, we can connect them through to the correct academic to act as a consultant. And that can be everything from specialist evidence in a court case through to international you know, boundary, boundary concerns, through to a very technical thing about, you know, maybe a, how, a, how a new molecule will work as a, a pharmaceutical. So we, we do that as well in consultancy. So what are some of the ways you're similar to and also different than an incubator? We actually run some incubators on our own. So we have a couple of incubators around the university and in the city of Edinburgh. But mostly what we do, I would describe mostly as sort of virtual incubation. So the classic things that an incubator does putting teams together, helping people network, providing some physical facilities, looking for contacts so that we can find some funding, particularly venture funding and angel funding for new startups. We do that often for groups of students and groups of staff or individual members of staff and students. And we can find facilities for them around the city. It may not necessarily be part of the university. It could be in a, an office building which, which is, specializes in that sector. Or it could be in one of our laboratories, which has particular specialist equipment. So we, we do that. And then, as I've mentioned, we have this very extensive database of uh, staff, which is probably the most critical thing for a new startup company. Who are the people who are going to actually help you push your business plan forward? Who's going to help you get the funding and who's going to make the, the idea a reality? Can you tell us about some of the challenges in creating these partnerships? I think the challenges are probably from two sides. First of all is working with academics. For anyone who's worked with academics, it's a very particular sector. I've spent most of my life working in the private sector, sometime working for government, and then probably a third, 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 the, the final third being working in academia. It's, there are a lot of pressures on academics. There's a lot of pressure to teach, do high quality teaching. There's a lot of pressure to produce very high quality world-class research, particularly for us, we are a world top 20 research university and our reputation absolutely depends on the quality of that research. There, there's pressure on academics to do man, have managerial positions and to take leadership positions as well. So we have to make it incredibly easy or as easy as possible for academics to take part in external work with businesses or to launch a company, which can be very time consuming. So I see it as, as my job and my team's job to really make it as simple, straightforward as possible for academics to do that. From the industry side, you know, having been there and having commissioned university work when I worked for AstraZeneca, it's very important that the mission of the work is very clear from the start. Often academics will be looking to publish the work, which is fine. But industry often has to protect that and only publish when it's appropriate. So part of our job is to make sure that all of those confidentiality clauses and so on are absolutely nailed down right at the start so there are no misunderstandings. But, but really, the, the time pressure working in university, the time pressure on academics is quite extreme, particularly in the UK at the moment. We're just about to go through our, our huge review of academic uh, performance this year, which happens every six years. So, and we've got COVID-19, so we have had a huge amount of pressure on us. But fortunately for us in the University of Edinburgh, you know, we've managed to convince a lot of academics this is a good thing for them and for their careers. And we've quadrupled our commercial outputs in the last four years. So speaking of COVID-19, how has that affected your organization? It's had a huge impact. 
we first of all had to clo basically close the whole university down right at the start of the lockdown. In Scotland, we had a very hard lockdown here, which was supported by the overwhelming majority of workers and, and the population. So the university closed all, all laboratories except those which were working directly on COVID-19 projects were closed. And we've only recently started to open those up to more general research work. So we had about three months where people were working from home and, and I'm still working from home and most of our staff are still working from home when they can. That's the Scottish Government directive. So that's put a lot of pressure on different ways of working. But in fact, we're busier than ever. Uh, we've, we've added in the university probably 50 or 60 new COVID-19 related projects to tackling that. Everything from the reuse of personal protection equipment through to new antiviral agents and vaccine testing. So on top of our normal uh, research work, we've added probably another 60 projects on COVID-19. And, and of course, there's the extra additional sort of stress of that. One of the biggest pressures though is we're waiting to see how many students turn up. We have about 20,000 non-UK students at Edinburgh, about half of our student population are non-UK. We have two and a half thousand American students. We have the biggest cohort of American students in the UK. This is, we're very proud of our international capability and we're waiting to see just how many of those students actually turn up in September. It's very important for our future because with university being free to Scottish students, we do rely, and, and actually not having fully funded research from, from UK government and other charity sources, we do rely on the income from overseas students to help support our world-class research. So I think for all universities in the UK, and I think I would say globally, this is you know quite a concerning time over the next couple of months to see how things work out. So what do you think are some of the most important leadership skills in managing such a program? So I, I, I would divide those into two parts. We've got some, I would say, some general leadership skills. For me, the critical thing is setting direction. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? What will it look like when we're successful? You know, the old the vision and mission stuff, which sounds very cliched, but is actually tremendously important. I have just over 100 staff working in this field for the university, and the university is 15,000 staff. So we have a lot of people to help influence in that. And if people don't understand where they're going and why they're going there, it's very difficult to get them motivated. You know, most of my team have higher degrees, at least masters, probably two thirds have PhDs as well. These are very smart people. They want to know why they're working and what they're working on and what difference that's going to make to the world, which is why most of us come here. So part of my job is about setting that vision and setting that direction, but I, I can't do everything myself. So it's critical that I recruit the best people I possibly can and listen to their ideas all the time. So I'm very strong on listening to people's ideas and then coaching those people through the different levels of difficulty we find in, in the university environment and also in the wider industrial environment as well. But I think what's different about universities is that this understanding where people are coming from who've got a different background and a different perception of the world is actually much more critical in universities it's absolutely vital to understand what drives academics. The heart of any good university is its academic staff. We have five and a half thousand academic staff and we have to understand what motivates them. There's absolutely no point in me or my team going out and saying, please do this, this is really important. It's a huge economic impact. 
if that doesn't motivate and excite the academics. And they are motivated by a whole different set of uh, results and circumstances from someone in industry. So to the normal leadership things, I would say it's critical to really understand what it means to be an academic. We have so from that we have people embedded in schools, in research units, uh, all over the university. And, and my team work very closely with academics every day just to really understand what's driving them and how we can help them. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, George. It's been a pleasure learning about how you're supporting innovation and turning ideas into real life solutions. Oh, and thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And, um, you know, I think a lot of these issues are quite common across universities uh, across the world. We have our own particular issues here in Scotland and in the UK, with the way the university system is set up. But it's something which is actually becoming much more important to British universities. We, if you look at the level of uh, commercial and commercial work that's been done by British universities over the past 10 years, that's more than trebled. We, we do about, about $7 billion of commercial work now with industry in the UK alone. So it's become a really important part of university income, university outreach, and actually producing real world-class research from universities as well, working with industrial partners. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At TrueSterum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. TrueSterum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at TrueSterumNTWK.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from Pharma Execs. Hi, I'm George Baxter, the Chief Executive Officer of Edinburgh Innovations. And my leadership tip is always to be open to other people's opinions. You will never know everything yourself. But ultimately, leadership is about taking decisions and moving forward. So you have to be confident in your ability to take decisions and live with them, even if you get some of them wrong. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com. 